This episode of Biscuits and Jam is presented by Boar's Head. Thanks for tuning in to a special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine. This is our last episode before we go on holiday break, and today we'll hear clips from previous interviews, some of which have never aired, about what the holidays mean to some of the South's biggest stars. We've got stories from Dolly Parton, Vince Gill, Winona Judd, Brett Eldridge, John Hyatt, Tennille Towns, Manit Shoan, John Paul White, and Little Big Town's Kimberly Schlapman to keep you company as you prep for the holidays during this challenging year. To start our program today, we'll check in with singer-songwriter Tennille Towns, who was born and raised in Canada prior to moving to Nashville. I spoke to her about that long distance and what the holidays look like way up north. I love Christmas time. There's something so magical about that time of year. And I, I, it's very enchanting up there with the snow. I mean, it's like, it looks like the, the center of a snow globe. Everything is covered in white and it just glistens. Like we get a lot of sunshine in the winter, which I'm really grateful for because the temperatures can be so cold. But when you've got the sun kind of joining you, it's literally sparkles. It's, it's unbelievable. And we get a lot of frost that coats the trees and it really does look like a, a winter wonderland up there during the holidays. Mm. So we have our Thanksgiving in October. So when we say holidays, it kind of just means Christmas for us. And then Thanksgiving is is a wonderful time to get together too. And that's more like harvest, everybody coming off the fields and another reason to get to enjoy some good turkey and stuff and then all the great stuff. So it's earlier. So it's a good bit earlier than here. It is. Yeah. It's an October kind of thing. It's a lot more like pumpkin style, more like a harvest than it is close to Christmas. Any chance you can go back this year? I'm trying to figure that out, kind of crossing my fingers. It's definitely harder with traveling this year, and the border is technically closed right now. I think as a Canadian, I can still manage to maybe go back. There's a lot more regulations of quarantining once you land and I'm really proud of us in this time. I feel like the distance has felt the least amount of far away than it has since I moved here to Nashville six years ago. We've spent a lot more time on FaceTime and had kind of dinners together across the distance, sitting at my table and sitting at theirs, which really helps. And I'm thankful for that. It's nice to actually get to see people's faces when you talk to them. I'm really grateful for technology, especially this year. No kidding. I mean, thank God for FaceTime and all that mm-hmm. right now. We need we need it just to be able to reconnect, you know? We sure do. It's a powerful thing. And, you know, I, I moved here six years ago. It was a 45-hour a drive from my hometown to, to Nashville. <laughs> and and uh, my dad helped me make the trip. And we loaded up my little Tacoma truck. And three days later, kind of showed up in Nashville. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is really far away. <laughs> it's like. I really hope this works out because I don't want to have to drive 45 hours back. But um, I I really do love being here. And I love that that home doesn't honestly really feel like it's 45 hours away a lot of the time. As a judge on the popular television show Chopped, as well as a highly respected chef in Nashville, Manit Shoan has already put her own spin on Music City favorites like Hot Chicken. But during her visit with us back in September, 
She also detailed how her restaurant, Shoan Ale and Masala House, has given more traditional Thanksgiving dishes, like stuffing and cranberry sauce, an Indian twist. What I fell in love about Thanksgiving was that sense of togetherness. And I was so curious about everything on the table, right from the turkey to um, the green bean casserole to the cranberry sauce. And while I'm seeing this entire table, I'm just translating it in my mind as to when I have my Thanksgiving gatherings with my family, what would I do? We would do tandoori chicken, uh, tandoori turkey kebabs, right? And the stuffing is rice and lentil biryani stuffing. There is a green bean poriel. There is cranberry chutney. There is a sweet potato sabzi. Like, so basically everything that you find on a Thanksgiving table, I presented that, but with an Indian flair and with an Indian twist. And the first year, we decided that we will open for Thanksgiving because to me, I kept on thinking about people like me who couldn't travel back home. At least give them something. And even if you come to a restaurant, it becomes a sense of belonging, right? And that ended up being our busiest day. And and so now we continue it every year. We open at 12, we do 12 to 8, and we have these large platters, which we call thalis, which people order. And inevitably at 5 o'clock, we are running around like, a turkey without a head. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, because we are running low on something because we anticipated that we were going to be busy. But every year it keeps on becoming busier and busier, which is a great problem to have. But we just love that tradition. Again, it boils down to who I am. You know, I I was born in India and now I'm over here and I'm just trying to get the best of both the worlds and present it to people. <laughs> so you don't mind working on Thanksgiving? Oh, not at all. But what we've done is uh, with our entire team, it's completely voluntary. There are some people who work for Thanksgiving, then they take Christmas Eve off and vice versa. I, I just love being over there because it's like the restaurant family and the home family. And usually I get the kids also along and we just towards the end, all of us sit together and eat. This Christmas is an especially big one for the queen of country music, Dolly Parton. She has a new holiday musical on Netflix, her first Christmas album in three decades called A Holly Dolly Christmas, and a TV special that aired on CBS earlier this month. I chatted with her about what Christmas was like growing up, as well as her favorite Christmas songs, including one that she sang for us. Christmas was just a special time. Mama always made things special. She was just one of those special people that I've always said she could tell you anything, make it sound good, uh, you cook anything, make it taste good. And, of course, Daddy, you know, we just had simple uh, life back then, back in the very early days. Daddy would always cut our tree, and we would uh, decorate it ourselves with all of our homemade ornaments and all the things that Mama would help us put together. And, of course, Mama would always tell the story of Christmas, and it was just a joyful time. At that time, she read the Bible a lot, so we knew the real story. So she made that all come to life with us. And uh, we believed in Santa Claus, but 
we lived so far back in the mountains, he never found us. <laughs> so we pretty we believed in him. We figured he's gonna find us one day. But in the meantime, we made a lot of things for each other, homemade toys mom and dad made for us. And so it was just a special time, Christmas season. It just you just felt different. And it just felt, you know, like there's some kind of magic in just the whole idea of it being Christmas. Did your family go to church on uh, Christmas or on Christmas Eve? Oh, of course. My grandpa was a preacher. And so we always celebrated our Christmas and our little presents and all on Christmas Eve. And then we would uh, go to church on Christmas Day because my grandpa was church. So he insisted that we all knew the true meaning of Christmas. So we would sing all the Christmas songs, all the the great silent night, little town of Bethlehem and all those great Christmas songs that were, you know, about Jesus, go tell it on the mountain and all that. So, yeah, that was always a, a big part of us was going to church anyway on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights and Sunday, Sunday school because of my grandpa. But Christmas, we we would have felt like we would have uh, been in big trouble if we didn't go to to church on Christmas. <laughs> so was there a Christmas carol or song that you loved more than all the others? I don't think so. I I just loved all of those great songs. And I did an album years and years ago, and I did a lot of those songs like Little Town of Bethlehem, Silent Night, and that was my very first Christmas album. And then I recorded again an album with uh, Kenny Rogers. But I loved all those songs, really. I was always drawn to the ones about Jesus, like the ones that were so picturesque, Little Town of Bethlehem, and you know, the things that are so visual. And so I love them all. But I enjoyed, like, the fun songs. Like, uh, I remember the first time I heard I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I thought that was the cutest thing I ever heard was a woman named Teresa Brewer that had that uh, song out. And she had a a little voice kind of like mine, kind of almost sound like a kid singing it. And that's why I put it in my new Christmas album because I thought it was so cute. And with the work I do with kids through my imagination library, I thought, well, I need to put something in this new album of mine you know, for the kids. So, but that was always a fun one. I loved all the fun stuff, like Santa Claus is coming to town, but I just liked them all. I've got to ask you about a song on there called Mary, Did You Know? Oh, don't you love that song? I do. I do. And it seems very personal because it's really about the meaning of Christmas. And I'm just wondering what that song means to you. Well, it means a lot. That little song is being recorded every Christmas by somebody. It's been around for a while, but I just keep thinking it's going to make a big hit with somebody. And I just love the song. And I've had several people say, you need to record Mary Did You Know on your Christmas album. Your voice is so suited to that. And of course, that message really rang true to me. And so I think just the whole idea of somebody talking to Mary, did you know that God was going to choose you to to bring the king of kings into this world? And did you know that? How did you feel about that? It's such a personable song, so well written. I did not write it. A lot of people think I did, but I wish I had written it. But I just love love what it says and how it says it. And uh, I just that's one of my favorite things in the whole album. It truly is what Christmas is about. Dolly, would you mind singing just a little bit of it? <laughs> Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know 
that your baby boy would save your sons and daughters. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, anyway, it just did goes on to talking about, did you know this child that you delivered would one day deliver you? You know, it's just such a well-written song. Moving from one dolly to another, I spoke with Little Big Town's Kimberly Schlappman about her new book, A Dolly for Christmas, and the touching true story that inspired it. My baby's name is Dolly. Backstory is Daisy, who's now 12, started praying for a baby when she was four years old. She so badly wanted a sibling. And um, one day she said to me, Mommy, this was when she was Five. She said, if I don't ever have a brother or sister, then my, my children will never have aunts or uncles or cousins, and that would be a terrible life. <laughs> and at that moment, I knew how, how very important it was for us to give her a sibling. Um, my husband and I had trouble having a second child, and adoption was something that we had always talked about anyway. And we finally came to the realization that after we went through a good bit of tragedy trying to get pregnant and, and miscarriages, and we decided, you know, I think God is telling us that it's time for adoption. So we started the adoption process. And this whole time, Daisy is praying every night. She's praying for a baby. She doesn't care if it's a boy or a girl. She just wants a baby. And she would she would kneel by her little bed and pray, God, please, I just want a baby. And So we started the adoption process, and that was in the fall of 2016. We were at Blackberry Farm for Little Big Town's Christmas concert that we do there every year over in East Tennessee. And she wrote a letter to Santa, Daisy did, and it said, Dear Santa, all I really want for Christmas is a baby brother or sister. Love, Daisy. And she put it in the North Pole mailbox at Blackberry Farm. And a few days later, she saw Santa in person at um, the adoption agency. They had a Christmas party. And so she sat down in Santa's lap and she said the same thing. All I really want for Christmas is a baby brother or sister. And Santa, I'll never forget this ever in my whole life. Santa looked at her kind of surprised and he said, oh, I don't think even I, I don't, I'm not sure even I can do that. And she said, with all the hope in her little face, she said, yeah, but I figure that you know God, and I was thinking you could talk to him too. So Santa was flabbergasted. He had no words. I'll I'll also never forget all the parents in that room, you know, looking at little Daisy, who was nine at the time, just with almost, oh, that poor child, you know, because she so desperately wanted a baby. And then... Not too much after that, we got a call about a little baby girl who needed a family, and that was our dolly. 
So I've written this book. It's a true story. It's the exact story of what happened. And it's from Daisy's perspective. And it's called A Dolly for Christmas. And it's a message to everyone. It's just a, a universal message of hope. No, what, no matter what you're going through, do not give up. Do not give up on your dreams. And Daisy didn't. And she got her dreams and her prayers answered in the most amazing way. And those little girls are taught. I mean, they are best friends. I was at the studio when we were making this last record. And for some reason, well, I think we had a thunderstorm and the power went out at home. And I was working late that night. And so my husband told the girls, let's just all get in bed together and we'll all fall asleep together because there was no power. And then when mommy gets home, we'll figure it out. So they all fell asleep together in the bed. And I came home and I was getting everybody up and moving everybody. And um, Daisy said to me, mommy, Dolly had fallen asleep in Daisy's arms. And Daisy said, mommy, I don't know what this feeling is, but it's the best feeling I've ever had in my whole life. That little Dolly was asleep in her arms and oh I, I I fell apart but they just absolutely adore each other and the next day I was talking to Daisy about what she had said and she said yeah I think Dolly's my first love and I mean that that says it that says everything about them they are in love with each other and it is beautiful I'll be back with Vince Gill, Winona Judd, Brett Eldridge, and more on our special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam. This episode of Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living is presented by Boar's Head. Introducing Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Glazed Chicken, a new classic flavor available only from Boar's Head that brings the celebrated traditions, signature flavors, and iconic taste of sweet honey barbecue to your local deli. Inspired by famous barbecue joints and the aficionados who know the reward is worth the wait, comes an authentic experience that can only be from Boar's Head. Made with premium ingredients, this slow-roasted chicken is delightfully sweet with notes of honey and perfectly balanced with savory hints of hickory smoke. Honey drizzled and barbecue sizzled. Ask for freshly sliced Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Chicken during your next visit to the deli counter. Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. Welcome back to a special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam. I'm Sid Evans. And next, we'll revisit my conversation with Brett Eldridge, who told me about being inspired by Christmas Eve Mass and why he's always been obsessed with the holidays. I think my family holidays are pretty unique, I think, for over 30 years. I mean, from day one, we still, every year at Christmas, get together. Christmas Eve, we all go to the same church that we've been going to for over 30 years. My great-grandfather was a minister there. You know, we, we, it's such a tr- tradition that we all go sit in the same area in the church. And then afterwards, we go to, we used to go to my grandmother's house. Once they passed, my aunt actually moved into her house. My uh, aunt and uncle did. And so we still have the Christmases uh, every year. All cousins, I have so many cousins, and every year there's a new cousin, it seems like. And it's just uh, incredible food, incredible baking, and then we just pass around presents and people give gag gifts and really funny stuff. And it's a great way to kind of celebrate, you know, those that matter most to you and, you know, get to see them near enough. And I think 
those holidays are some of my favorite memories still to this day. Well, you did a Christmas album called Glow, and I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody quite as excited about Christmas as as, <laughs> as yeah. you were on on Instagram. And it sounds like you have a lot of fun with it. It's my favorite time of year, you know. And I think it's I'm a big nostalgia guy. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the way that music makes you feel. It's, you know, the classics from Nat King Cole, Bing Crosby, Sinatra, Dean Martin. You know, you name it. I mean, just that's the, that kind of music that just really makes me feel simpler times, you know, in my heart and my mind. And, and I think that's really important to have in this world. And I think that nostalgia is important. And you can kind of go to that place in your mind when you need to. And that time of year, I think, you know, making an album like that for me was a was a dream come true. And, and now, a few years later, after putting that out, it's grown into be a really big thing for me of, you know, playing these giant theaters several nights in a row and being a kid that used to wake everybody up at 7 a.m. to open gifts on Christmas Day to being Crosby or whatever and blared on the speakers. That's a, that's a Christmas dream come true for me, so uh, I've enjoyed it. Acclaimed singer-songwriter John Hyatt has memories of Christmas Eve Mass, too, as well as of his mom's not-so-acclaimed turkey dinners. So who was the cook in your family? My mother cooked, but she she was okay. I mean, she cooked mass quantities of food for seven, uh, nine people, I'm sorry, with with mom and dad. So it was a lot of uh, cooking by a lot of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup used in various uh, recipes. I remember distinctly the flavor of uh, Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. It kind of permeated her her entire uh, adventures in cuisine. She made good chili, though. Cream of mushroom soup can go a long way. It actually can. You know, it, it's not bad over a tuna loaf uh, casserole on Friday night. So big family. What what did your holidays look like? How did you guys celebrate the holidays? Um, you know, big tree and um, midnight mass. So we were a Catholic family. So I went to midnight mass. I was in the boys' choir. So one of my earliest musical delights was uh, singing the midnight mass up in the choir loft with the, you know, no light coming through the the stained glass windows. It looked all even that much more mysterious, the various saints depicted. And, and uh, I just remember being so moved by the Latin mass, Kyrie they song. Ecum Spiritutuo and all this mysterious jabber that I had, had no idea what it was about, but I just loved it. I remember weeping on the, on the singing Midnight Mass more than once, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I always loved the Midnight Mass in, in Memphis. We did that too. Ah, yeah, there you go. I bet it was uh, beautiful. Did you have a big Christmas Day kind of brunch thing, or what did y'all do? I think it was dinner later, and, uh, you know, my mother, uh, she came from that era where you had to cook fowl to death. And so the turkey (laughs) was, there was no even considering whether it would be dry or not. It was, of course it was dry. (laughs) It's turkey. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of toughed it out. I always asked for the dark meat. That was your best shot, getting something with moisture content (laughs) in (laughs) it.
While John Hyatt was one of seven kids, that's still no match for Grammy winner John Paul White's extended family, which gets into the triple digits. So what did holidays look like for you guys? Well, my mom is one of 14 kids. Wow. So holidays were ridiculous. Uh, They all went to the Navy. All the boys went to the Navy, every one of them. But they all, almost all of them came back. And so every Christmas and Thanksgiving, we'd go to grandma's little four-room house. And there'd literally be 120, 130 people. Oh, my God. And that was only two generations. That was grandma, her 14 kids, and their kids. And that was it. Because every family had at least four. Just about. Some had six, some had eight. It was awesome. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of food to make. <laughs> sure. And and she took on a lot of that. Grandma did, but of course, all the kids. It was basically covered dish. Everybody brought food. And, and you knew who the cooks were and who they weren't. I might be near mom and I'd be like, okay, so what Aunt Roseanne make? You know, because I want that, you know. <laughs> And I won't name any names now because they're probably going to watch this, but there'd be certain ones that'd be like, oh, yeah, there's not a lot of room on my plate. I'll just skip that one. You know, that kind of thing. But almost all of them just could crush it. Yeah, they were, they were mostly stay-at-home moms, homemakers, and feeding a big family and making whatever they had cover all the bases. It was probably a little competitive. Oh, heck Yeah. Because a lot of the kids wouldn't even pay attention to who made what. But you'd hear them all raving like, dude, did you have that strawberry cake? Then people would be able to crow. (laughs) That's real. It's still that way. During our interview with Winona Judd, she told us about some requirements her mom Naomi has around the holiday dinner table. Well, I made a joke the other day about how my mom, she was here today, and she's always got these rules. And she put them on a piece of paper and she laminated them. And it's the Judd rules for you know Thanksgiving <laughs> and you have to show up in... Um, you know, a certain attire, and like she doesn't want you to wear something that, you know, doesn't go together. She's very particular about what she wants. Can't be schlumpy. Schlumpy, <laughs> thank you. So every year on purpose, I wear my UGG slippers. I don't know what the word is. I just, I try to do my own thing, even though she's bossy. So our traditions are what my mom throws down, which is basically, she's got a rule thing, and I'm going to find it and probably laminate it for my children because it works. You know, the no interrupting, no cell phones. We try to play games. I think the thing that is really important nowadays, music is, you know, non-discriminating because we're all very successful and we travel and we are very popular and we think we're cute. We play games because nobody cares. (laughs) All we care about is winning. It doesn't matter about, you know, well, what did you do last week? Ah, well, you know, I flew around the world. No, we play games it's important for all of us to bring something to the thing that we're doing, whether it's a meal or a game or something. We keep it so simple because our lives are so chaotic at times. So we will go around. My mom does this thing where she 
has us go around and talk about what we're thankful for. <laughs> That's always interesting. My Nana passed last year, and so she makes mm, all her food. I'm sorry. You know, it's it's part of the thing of carrying on her tradition. She was a cook on a riverboat, and she cooked. Oh my gosh! So I think our traditions are, of course, it's about food and fellowship. It's about wasting time and. My mom likes to watch movies. I'm not as keen on that as much as she is, but she's the boss. And so I try to, I try to do what my mom wants us to do because it's really kind of, you know, we're winding down here. We're getting older and I just try to be mindful. I have my own traditions here at the house, but when I'm there, it's her rules and her, her party. Christmas is the reason why one of the biggest romances in music between Vince Gill and Amy Grant ever began. To wrap up today's show, Vince tells us about how they met and why he may have to keep up on his Christmas shopping more than usual this year. And what about the holidays for you guys? They're pretty normal. I mean, you know, I married Amy Grant and she's got about 8 million people in her family. So, you know, we we have a, a massive holiday thing and mostly thanksgiving christmas not so much about a meal but thanksgiving is still easily my favorite meal i remember it as a kid and we'd always go to my my grandparents up at the farm in kansas and my grandmother granny lucy made the most amazing yeast rolls to this day that i've ever eaten they're still my i think my favorite thing i ever ate was granny lucy's rolls and i've never had yeast rolls that 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 have come close and i, I would give anything if I could have a big, big plate of those yeast rolls, I'd put a little butter and a little salt on there, and, and that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> so, Vince, you and Amy have had a long run of Christmas shows for a long time at, at the Ryman, and I think you guys actually met during a Christmas show. Is that right? We did, yeah. We we had met a time or two before that, but never, never had a conversation, really. And then we wound up doing a Christmas show in 1993 together. And she walked in the room and smiled at it, and it was game over. And uh, <laughs> so that same winter of 93, she asked me to do a duet with her of House of Love, big hit she had back in the early 90s. And then she was going to do a Christmas show with guests uh, to help bail out the Nashville Symphony. She said, will you come do my show since I came and did yours? And I said, yeah. And so that's kind of how we ever got around each other was through Christmas shows. And Christmas music, and she's much better at it than I am. You know, I do it just because she asked me to, and and I. <laughs> but uh, she's the one that's nuts about it. Well, so what are some of the highlights of those shows for y'all? I know that your your audience, your fans, look forward to it every year, and and get so excited about it. Well, I think I I see myself, and most people see me as the village idiot. You know, up there keeping it light, making it fun, and. And she has the the side to her that's much more about what the season really is and and uh, how much it means to her. She loves and adores that time of year, and so I just riding her coattails, playing guitar and making her laugh. So, what are y'all planning for this year? Are there going to be Christmas shows this year? I don't think anybody knows. We're in October now, and I don't see them being back to full scale shows by the first of December. So, they may go away this year and. Obviously, everybody's caught up in the virtual thing and finding ways to show people a good time, and and we are too. We've done plenty of that, but uh, 
Nobody really knows yet, but if I was a betting man, I would probably bet that they may not happen this year. So in a normal year, y'all are extremely busy during the holiday season. You've got all these shows going on, and I'm just wondering, what do you guys do when you get a rare night at home during the holidays? These days, it's it's a little different, you know, because we're not going out at night. There's nothing to get to go and do. So you do a lot of binge watching and Netflix and all the same things <laughs> that everybody else is doing and kind of grateful for some sports being on TV again. I'm a sports nut. So if we don't do those Christmas shows, this will be maybe the first time in 27 years when I've had a little extra time to go Christmas shopping for the fam. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, you look up and it's the 23rd of December and I'm going, God, I haven't bought anybody anything, but I'm kind of a procrastinator in that way anyway. So I think we're going to do a couple of things, but we haven't had the normal year that we normally do. I tour all year long. Amy doesn't tour quite so much during the year like I do. And so she's fired up and ready to knock out a whole bunch of Christmas shows in December, and I'm ready to go to bed. You know, I'm ready to lay it down. But uh, uh, I still enjoy getting to, you know, just watch her shine this time of year. Well, you won't have the excuse of being busy this year, so you might have to get on that Christmas shopping. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Amen. Thanks for listening to our special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama, and this podcast was produced and edited in Nashville, Tennessee. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at southernliving.com and subscribe to our print publication by searching for Southern Living at www.magazine.store. Biscuits and Jam is produced by Heather Morgan Schott, Chrissy Tiglius, and me, Sid Evans, for Southern Living. Thanks also to Ann Kane, Jim Hankey, Eliza Lambert, and Rachel King at Pod People. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from all of us here at Biscuits and Jam and Southern Living. We appreciate you listening to our program this year, and we wish you nothing but the best for 2021. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, shoot me an email at sid at southernliving.com. We'll be on break for the holidays, but we'll see you again next year. 